Welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I'm your host, Reagan Rose. Well, guys, 2020 is drawing to a close. I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. And we're looking forward to a new year, which will hopefully look a little bit brighter than 2020 has. But as we look ahead to a new year, I always like to look back at the previous year and reflect on some of the things that I've learned from the year and hopefully take those lessons and use those to propel me forward in a new year with better productivity, better focus on the things that matter, and hopefully a closer walk with the Lord. So in this episode, I'm wanted to go through seven things that the Lord has taught me in 2020. And it's a little self-indulgent maybe, but maybe some of these lessons could be useful for you too. I'm sure we've all, with what a unique year it's been, learned some different things about ourselves, about how we view the world, hopefully about God. So this year, if I haven't said it enough already, has been a bit strange. And a lot of changes have happened in my life in 2020, not least of which was leaving California and moving to Michigan in the middle of the pandemic. So the first lesson that the Lord taught me in 2020 was that family trumps everything. I made the very, very difficult decision to leave my dream job working with Grace to You and to move back across the country to where I'm from in Michigan And really the main motivating force to that was family. So our family was here. As my wife and mine's family has expanded, we have one little boy and we have a little girl on the way in a couple months. More and more, the Lord has impressed on me how important the household is, how important raising your children up is, and a factor in that which I had never really thought about that I, but I do now realize is so critical is having their grandparents in their lives and having their uncles and aunts and people who are connected with them through blood. And so that has really, really become more and more important to me in 2020 or the realization that it's important, primarily because we couldn't see family for so long. With being stuck in lockdown, nobody could come out and see us in the spring. We couldn't go and fly back to Michigan and see anyone. And it was just awful. And the prospect of being so far apart and so unable to see each other, I just realized it, it, it wasn't working. And so we made that tough choice to choose family over what we had for us in California. And the way I put it to people is, you know, I'm a big pros, cons list guy. And if I lay all my pros and cons for staying in California or moving to Michigan, I put them all on picture it all on a little scale and they're all kind of balancing out, balancing out. It's like, well, here I have a great job doing great ministry. Here we have some of our friends and, and that's where we grew up. It kind of feels like home. You know, you add all these things together. As soon as family comes into the equation, whichever side of the scale that drops on, it just breaks the whole thing. And that was it for us. It just family trumps everything. So that was the first lesson I learned in 2020. And it's funny that it kind of took a global pandemic or rather the response to a global pandemic with the lockdown orders and whatnot 
to make me realize just how critical that is. So that's the first thing. The second thing that the Lord taught me in 2020 was that you can't do it all well. <laughs> and I talked about this in a recent episode about doing things with excellence and with quality. And that was honestly just the fruit of uh, some thinking that had been going on in my own head. Which is, you know, I want to lie to myself. I want to tell myself that, oh, you're so productive that you can, you know, all you have to do if you want to add some extra side projects or you want to do a little bit more or you want to commit to some extra things with church, all you need to do is wake up a little earlier or manage your time a little bit better or reprioritize things and you can do that. And I just have followed this pattern for so long in life where I just add, 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 add responsibilities, commitments, projects, things like that. And I get to this breaking point where I'm over leveraged. I don't have enough time. And then I start dropping the ball on things. And then I start to get sad <laughs> and I start to miss sleep and I get sick and it's just this pattern of always expanding and trying to do so many different things. And one thing I learned this year is that, yeah, you can do a lot of stuff, but you can't do it all well. And what I'm trying to do now instead is really switch to a mindset where I'm focused on what is most important to me and doing that with excellence. And so pouring myself into Redeeming productivity with excellence, pouring myself to my job at not the bee with excellence, just trying to few, pick a few things and do them full out 110%. And I really trust that that's going to be a better way of living and hopefully result in better quality work and I mean, more success in those endeavors, really. The third thing that the Lord taught me in 2020 was that you and you alone are responsible for your priorities. Ooh, this one's related to the previous one. I'm kind of a pushover. I am. And when people ask me to do things, I usually say yes. I have a really tough time saying no. And one thing I've learned this year is that if you don't say no to things that aren't important to you, that aren't priority for you, soon enough, you're going to turn around and discover that your days are filled up with things that are not your priorities, they're someone else's. Things that are not important to you, but are important to somebody else. You haven't been the one who's choosing to steward the gifts and the passion the Lord has given you. You've let other people drive the boat for you. And I think there's a way that I have construed this in my head to make it seem like a noble thing, letting other people set my priorities, having this attitude of, well, I want to serve people. And that's true, but I think what was really happening is I was trying to abrogate my responsibility to be the one to decide these are the things the Lord's given me to do, and it's my responsibility to really pour myself into that. If 2020's taught me much of anything at all, it's that you can't do that. You have to take responsibility for your life. You have to take responsibility for the choices you make and the things you commit yourself to. So I want to do better in that. You will answer to God for how you spent your life. I'm not saying that to like sound scary or something, but you know, believers in Christ are going to stand before him at the great white throne and he's going to judge our lives and reward us based on how we live. This is not about salvation. This is about heavenly reward. And one thing you have to recognize is you're going to stand there alone. You're not going to have someone else stand in front of you. And when the Lord says, well, how did you steward the time that I gave you? 
And you say, well, so-and-so said I needed to be doing this, so I never really got around to the thing that, that you had really given me to do. Or, well, you know, I was just so busy doing these other things. And you know what I mean? You, you are the one who answers to God. Other people aren't going to answer to God for, for your time. You are going to. And so take that responsibility seriously. The fourth thing I learned in 2020, getting a little spicy here, is that politics do matter. <laughs> I'm not, I have no intention of turning this into some political commentary or something like that. If anything, I'd hope this show would be an escape from those things for you. But man, I spent most of my adult life being relatively apolitical, not really caring and really kind of having that blase mindset that it doesn't matter how you vote. It doesn't matter who's in office. You know, it all kinds of balances out and who cares anyway, it doesn't really affect your individual life. Well, 2020 showed really how it does affect your individual life, especially living in Southern California. The politics has an effect on people, on their freedom, how they live. And the, during the COVID lockdowns, we just saw firsthand how directly um, the government can affect your life and limit your life and limit your neighbor's life and their ability to flourish. And I've tended to remain kind of quiet on matters of politics, you know, due to apathy, <laughs> the aforementioned apathy. But I see now how important it is. I've learned in the last several years, really, that it does have an effect. And I want to be someone who promotes the freedom and flourishing as of my neighbor, of myself for my for my own kids' sake, for my own life's sake. I want to be in a position where I can live a peaceful and quiet life. And to whatever degree that involves being involved in politics, just via maybe just voting or speaking out, I don't want to be shy about that. I don't want to be so fearful that people are going to be angry with me because I don't share the same political opinion with them. I really just don't want to care about that anymore. I want to affect change at that level in whatever way I can. And uh, now that I see the importance of that, I want to do better with that. So politics do matter. I do believe that. Number five, the fifth thing that the Lord taught me in 2020 was to stop being scared and start speaking up. So this relates to the previous one. I just, all around us, I think we see the world going insane. It really is. It, it's, it seems to get crazier and crazier every year. And I think that sane people need to know that they're not alone. <laughs> and I think that's one of the great things you can do when you speak up about things being crazy in this world. And that's one of the reasons that I joined Not The Bee is starting to see that I can't just hide and pretend that everything's fine when the world is going off the hinges. And so I want to be one of those voices that says, oh, you know that, that stuff that you're seeing, maybe the, the transgenderism thing being normalized in society? Yeah, you're not crazy. That's crazy. And be a help, be a voice, be another person coming alongside people and saying, you don't have to go along with the zeitgeist. You don't have to be carried away by it. You can stand up against it. And yeah, this is sounding like rather political, but I don't mean it just in the political space too. 
I think even in, in your church, when you see things going awry, to speak up in a respectful way and say, I don't think this is right. Can you help explain this to me? In your own family, with your, with your spouse or with your kids, standing up and not being afraid, but actually just speaking up about where there are issues. And I think that there's a timidity that is rampant within the evangelical movement and it teaches us that being nice is more important than telling the truth. And of course, we know from scriptures that we're to speak the truth in love, but often what that actually looks like in our lives is to not speak the truth at all and to let the world or whatever nefarious forces might exist within our, our, our communities to run roughshod over us and roughshod over the truth just because we're too afraid to speak out because someone might say that we're mean for doing it. We need to stop being scared. <laughs> I'm preaching now. I have learned that I need to stop being scared and start speaking up. And if people have a problem with my or your opinion on something, that's okay. We can talk about it. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about being disrespectful. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm just saying, hey, say what you think. You only have one life. And why not actually use it? <laughs> so this year I learned to speak up. Number six, in 2020, the Lord taught me really, and this is the, I think the biggest one, if not now, then when? If not now, then when? I turned 35 this year and I can feel my energy waning. I'm not the same man I was at 25. And there are things I still want to do in this life. There are goals I want to accomplish. There's a mark I want to leave. I want to bring God glory. I want to steward the unique talents, the unique knowledge, the unique interests that the Lord's given me. I want to do that well. And I recognize that I'm running out of time. I'm not having a midlife crisis. Not yet, I don't think. But I realized in 2020 that if I keep waiting for someone to give me permission or for the time to be just right, to seize on some of these goals that I have, it's never going to happen. If it matters, do it now. Don't wait. Do it. That has been massive for me. That was massive in making the decision to, to leave California and come back to Michigan. That's been massive in some other decisions that have been forming in my mind. You have to carpe the diem, you know, as they say. <laughs> you got to seize the day. And if you don't do it now, you have to just be honest with yourself. What are you actually waiting for? So I think we have a tendency to keep things vague in our minds so that we don't have to act upon them. And so if you say, well, you know, I know I need to do X, Y, and Z, but I can't do it yet because it's just, it doesn't feel right. And you don't really give yourself a deadline or give yourself some exact criteria for if X, Y, and Z change, then I would do this. You just kind of keep it vague. And so you never have to act. Seize the day. If not now, then when? Are you going to wait? You know, this is what I'm asking myself. Are you going to wait till you're 40? Are you going to wait till you're 50? If your energy is waning now, what are you going to feel like when you're 60? Are you ever going to do those things that you said that you wanted to do? Why not pull the trigger and try it? And so we're in the middle of having pulled the trigger on a pretty risky decision. And we'll see how it pans out. But uh, I don't want to wait forever and regret not having done something. I wrote, I think the other day on Twitter, something like, you're going to have regrets in life no matter what. The question is, are they going to be the type of regrets where you 
regret not having tried to do something? Or are they going to be the type of regrets where you tried something and failed and you just regret that it failed? And for me, I want to be the latter. I want to, I want to have tried things and failed at them and be like, oh man, that stinks that it didn't work out. Rather than to look back on my life and say, I played it safe. I didn't do what I needed. I know I needed to do. I was too afraid of other people's thoughts about me. And so I never tried to do anything. I don't want the, I don't want to reflect on life like that. So yeah, big, bold moves. Number seven ended on something totally different. The seventh thing that the Lord taught me in 2020 is that the natural world is marvelous up close. And I kind of already knew this, you know, I've watched nature documentaries. I've used a microscope in high school biology, but I got into gardening this year. I know a lot of people did during the kind of the stay at home orders. And it really changed my perspective significantly on God's creation. Having my hands in the soil, a growing plant, seeing them go from seed to fruit. It was incredible to actually watch it all happen. It's not like I didn't know that that's how plants worked, but I didn't look at it up close. I didn't spend, you know, the sum total of dozens of hours with these plants and seeing them and nurturing them and growing them all the way up into maturity. And there's just this joy in cultivating soil and plants. And, and I think that it comes from somewhere deep within us that we're made to do that as, as stewards of creation, right? We're to exercise dominion over this world. I think it's something deep implanted in the human soul. And so the experience of that really woke some, I don't know if I want to say woke something up in me, but it, it really helped me to appreciate the intricacy of what God has made how everything, every little thing works and how it all, you know, even the little ecosystems of your own garden, how one, one plant can put nutrients back into the soil that another one can use and how you can compost the, the excess from, from the food that you eat and turn that into nutrient rich soil. Like just all of that, how it fits together was such a different way of looking at the grandeur of God's creation. You know, it was one, it's one thing to go and, you know, go to the Grand Canyon and look out at it and, and be like, wow, God's amazing or beautiful Sunday sunset and say, God's amazing. It's just, there's this whole other smaller world that you can look at in, in plants and trees and little bugs and creepy crawlers and stuff, even in dirt, pick up dirt and look at what composes the soil and marvel at God that way. And so it just gave me a different appreciation, an increasing appreciation for the amazing power of God and his creativity. I put in my little notes here, experiencing that firsthand through gardening felt like discovering a new room in my heart. <laughs> that sounds a little dramatic, but it, it was, it just, it, I felt like I was unlocking this whole relationship with, with creation and with nature that I had previously not known. And in fact, that inspired uh, my friend Miska and I, we did uh, a separate podcast from this called How Should a Man Live? And we only did a few episodes of it, but that's what inspired that was getting into gardening, understanding firsthand how the Lord created us to interact with creation. So yeah, that's, that's it. That's the seven things that the Lord taught me in 2020. I'm sure he taught me a lot more, but I just tried to keep it short and kind of summarize it a little bit for you. So 
yeah, that's kind of a little look back at my year. I know it's not all productivity related per se, but I really think that we live our lives based on principles. We live it based on our theology, actually, how we view God, how we view man, how we view the world. And I try to be self-aware of when those things shift in my thinking and when I'm growing in my understanding of God, man, and the world. And these are kind of the, some of the significant ways that that happen. I would encourage you to do the same. Do kind of a year in review. If, if you journal or even if you don't, just do, spend some time writing or record yourself on your phone if that's easier. And just think about what are the things that I learned this year? What are the things that the Lord taught me? And from there, then you can look ahead to the new year and say, okay, what do I want to do different in light of these enlightenments? And I, that's kind of what I'm going to do next as I'm looking ahead at 2020. I only have a week here until 2021, I mean. And uh, in light of all this, I want to make some changes. I want to make some plans. And so I'll keep you posted on that. And I will post some New Year related stuff soon here and some resources for you to use. But before I end, I just want to say a huge huge thank you to Patreon supporters. You guys have helped get me through this year. It's been nice to see that number go up, more people supporting the show and not seeing all my money going out the window to hosting fees. You kind of help make this possible. And uh, if you are interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, throwing a few bucks my way to help me produce this show, help me keep going making these things, head on over to patreon.com slash redeemingprod. For as little as three bucks a month, you can help support the show. Five dollars and up supporters get some redeeming productivity stickers which look pretty sweet i have them on my laptop here uh, and i have some of my notebooks and speaking of notebooks ten dollars and up supporters i'll send you one of these little redeeming productivity notebooks it's nothing special it's just got the logo on it and got some lined paper so if you're looking for a little journal or something that's kind of a fun little bonus but the main thing is you're helping support the show and you get exclusive updates and things like that you're the first to hear about stuff also, if you are not subscribed to my newsletter, uh, you should do that. I send it out once a week. It's packed full of goodies. I share some thoughts on productivity from a Christian worldview that you can't really get on my blog or on here. They're kind of little exclusive updates only available through the newsletter. I also send five or six links from around the web, kind of some curated content that I think will be helpful for you in your journey to becoming a more productive Christian. So check that out. It's free. It's just some interesting tidbits every week. And that's at redeemingproductivity.com slash newsletter. And you can also find the link in the description. Well, guys, if I don't talk to you again before 2021, have a happy new year, and let's try to make this next one a bit more productive than 2020. All right, guys, I'll talk to you again soon. But until I do, remember this, in whatever you do, do it well and do it all to the glory of God.